Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast, the number one gaming podcast in the Nordic region. We're bringing together the best technical leaders from across the gaming industry to discuss passions, challenges, and ideas. I'm Aaron, and I connect businesses with talented freelancers within the Unreal Engine community. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Nordic's Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Janisha, Burke, Mark, and Victoria to discuss creating a healthy culture in a gaming studio. But before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. So, Burke, do you want to kick us off with who you are, what you do, and how long you've been in the industry? Hello, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you already added there. My name's Burke. Uh, I'm a producer at Coffee Stain Studios in Hervde, Sweden. Uh, they have been working for the last six years or so uh, on Satisfactory um, with our team. Uh, I've been in the industry for close to a decade now, uh, from uh, first kicking QA back to now with the whole production deal. Awesome. And Janisha? Hi everyone, my name is Janisha Alvandri and I work as a producer at Reddit Game in Helsinki, Finland. I am from India, so I have over 10 years of experience in the gaming industry and I work on several games, worked with many big companies and yeah, happy to be on the podcast. Awesome. And Mark, do you just want to kick us off with your intro as well? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Mark Backfire. I've worked in the games industry for about 17 years now. Um, started off at EA working on Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, then went to Lionhead Studios, worked on Fable 2. Uh, I've also been at uh, Kuju Nicknack and Sony and uh, Marmalade Game Studios, where I was the lead designer on um, uh, Hasbro mobile titles. Then after that, I founded Sketchbook Games. Uh, and we've released a game called Lost Words Beyond the Page, which is like a 2D narrative platformer game, half set in the pages of a diary and half set in a fantasy world, with a story written by Rihanna Pratchett. Amazing. And last but not least, Xore, if you would just want to give us your introduction. Yeah, of course. Hi, Aaron. Uh, hello, everyone. My name's Ekhtere. Uh I'm a senior support program manager at Epic Games, working closely with uh, real engine developers, uh, basically managing uh, all the support operations, uh, make sure everything works smoothly for our licensees. I've been in the industry for five years. I'm also, as, as Janisha, I'm located in Helsinki, Finland. Amazing. Um, but now that we've got a bit of background on everyone, let's move on to the topic and focus. So you've all got a question or a statement on creating a healthy culture in a gaming studio. And as usual, we'll work around the room and asking each of you to pose your question and the reasons behind it. Each of you will have an opportunity to give your take on the situation. So uh, without further ado, let's start with Burke and your question and just give us some context behind it as well, please. 
All right. Um, the question I've been wondering, uh, wanted to ask here is, um, how would you support team members who are struggling with their mental health? Uh, reason I've been thinking about that a bunch uh, has been particularly since the beginning of like, the pandemic. Uh, we've seen generally an uptick of such struggles, and just been thinking about uh, also at our company what are the things that we can do to help people out, uh, and wondering if you all have some insights here. Come on. Um, so I guess I'll jump in first of all. Um, so yeah, I guess um, I think something that's quite important is sort of having regular uh, like one-to-one reviews um, with the the different team members to kind of allow you to to see how people are getting on with stuff and um, to give them a chance to kind of flag up if they're they're having any issues um we have regular team calls but you know often if it's something kind of a bit more private people aren't going to want to to mention it on there um so yeah when you've got a one-to-one it kind of um yeah gives you gives you a chance to sort of have, a, have a proper chat with people and see uh, see how they're getting on and that they're okay uh but even if people say they're fine then i guess you can you know um when you're having that one-to-one you might get a, a better sense of if, if that's really the, the case or not um and yeah if it does seem like they're they're having issues then um yeah i guess you can sort of ask if there's anything you can do to, to support them um there's lots of good references for external support uh, good different resources if if needed um you could maybe share with people um yeah so i think that's that's probably a good uh good, good place to start maybe yeah. i will go next so from my perspective i mean i do agree with mark that you should have regular one-on-one with your team a lot of times you know producers being managed they really big thing so you want to have one-on-one with everyone because of having short things or having other things to do and having other to take care of it might not be possible so randomly also just going at someone's death and having a big casual conversation, you know, what's up, how are things going, having team building activities. I think people really open up in a different environment outside work. So having something very activating, having some team lunches, dinners, talking about different topics. I'm sure you can find out that someone is suffering about having, you know, these problems. And if you do see someone having issue, then I think that's a need. It's always a good idea to see, I mean, always a good idea to see the amount of work pressure they have or the kind of tasks they're working on and try to, you know, try to reduce their workload as well. So they have the mind space to actually relax and yeah, they have the mind space to actually relax and breathe. Maybe our presentation forced them to be need for two days or three days because they should, you know, just be in their own zone and out of this work mode and try to figure out what the problem is and try to deal with it. Also, companies, also a lot of companies, they do have tie up with uh, different, uh, I think, won't say studios, but with different people who are there to help. Are there to talk, you know, counselors that also might help. So I see doing these things might help. Yeah, I think those those are great points. Uh, I mean, at at some at the point that you 
when you are aware of what's happening, uh, you know, because identifying by one on ones or maybe sometimes uh, just like Janesh said, like taking it away from work a little bit, that's quite important to separate. Because if you think about pandemic, everything got mixed up, right? Uh, people working from home, so personal, professional life, uh, you know, they start to get on top of each other and crumble. So I think all of us are on that kind of uh, uh, space that we, we're always struggling a little bit. So empathy would be, uh, I think, immensely appreciated. So being able to put yourself on their shoes and uh, understand the situation, uh, you know, seek for, uh, you know, remediation points, external, uh, you know, mental coaching or even internal having the opportunity. Because sometimes people don't want to open up with their leads or even with their coworkers. So is there a safe space, uh, you know, uh, that where, where these people can go to express themselves and uh, get some, some insights and feedback on what could be the best option for them to, to work them through? Um, those are, those are good points. Uh, and also one thing that has been very, very discussed around gaming industries, you know, burnouts, those kind of things. I think those also apply here. So let's try to avoid that because the more stressed people are, the more they work, like they crunch too much, burnouts happen and it gets people to that mind space where they're not able to to produce as, as, as they would like to and start just struggling a little bit mentally. That's a lot of, uh, a lot of good advice, uh, some of which we're implementing as well, but uh, some things we to take away with too. Um, kind of curious, like, out of all of the things that you've mentioned, like in your experiences, do you have like a particular tool that you? I, I'm guessing I can I can already guess Mark's uh, first tool. The first thing you brought up are the one-on-ones uh, with people, but the one thing in particular uh, that you found effective in kind of uh, yeah catching um, when people are feeling off, like also particular maybe uh, in remote environments. I think there are probably being in constant communication with people because you know right now we work in a hybrid body so you do have teams to work remotely and if you talk to them for half an hour one hour it's never enough to really know because when you meet someone face to face the body language helps you a lot more than what they're speaking so we can understand or you know kind of get a hint that yeah this person has a suffering from this um even the person who's working remotely I think you're calling them your studio if you guys do have a studio calling them once a month that they have some human interaction with the team if the company is entirely remote it's a different situation probably our company meetups it all once like once in two three months because you need to meet people i fully believe that you need human interaction to really help someone so it's a bit hard to do it remotely not impossible but People tend to be in their own cocoon when they are remote because it's just for a few minutes or hours you talk, but when you sit with someone, when you casually go up to them, it's very different. And it's also about creating a bond with your team where they feel that they feel safe that they can tell you anything, you know, that we have this problem, we have to be sure, even if they're shy, if you try to probe them, they trust you enough to tell you openly what their issues are so creating that safe environment is very important which is not the easiest thing to do but 
I truly believe that it's very important. I mean, it's the most important thing in a team. Otherwise, if, if people are scared of their needs, of producer, they will never know well, never come up and talk to you freely. And, and we should not have that kind of culture, which happens a lot in the gaming industry. Yeah, one thing that uh, is really helpful is having uh, different lines of communication that not, it's not only your lead or your own team. I think that's something that's quite important uh, in a, you know, companies where people sometimes are afraid to express themselves within their team and with, you know, to their leads because, you know, this, this may compromise their position at the company or something like that. So having this kind of safe space where they can go to and, and, and discuss their situation uh, usually goes to HR or counseling or, or something like that, but could be even uh, you know third party contractor that could be that could be that self you know that help help space that uh, could 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 bring this, this struggles uh, you know to light and discuss them because I think that if you just keep them to yourselves like as a as a person who is struggling you're gonna even it's only gonna gonna worse right doesn't get better um, so that's that's one uh, one thing that. I see it, it, it works. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, the one-to-one itself is, is a, a tool for, for helping with that. Now, um, then I guess there's sort of other processes that you, you can try as well, other resources. And, um, uh, I guess when running the one-to-one sort of making notes of things so you can kind of refer back to them and you can um yeah i guess just you know i have a terrible memory so uh it can be good to sit if you made a note of anything if you if yeah if you were worried about someone or, or you discussed something and then um, wanted to make sure that you you followed up then um yeah having a, a record of that's definitely yeah definitely helpful well that's awesome stuff i really the the trust-based communication really resonated um uh, with me as well uh if people don't feel comfortable uh speaking of it speaking up in the situation so making those types of issues known uh then that's already a failure on like the the first step of doing anything about it uh i think uh well all right that that's probably also something that is different that is difficult to do um but it's a very good point to like if that trust might be already breached at uh, a place to like uh, get new people in or maybe even work with third party to kind of yeah give people that uh that safe space as well uh, that you talked about, Victoria. Uh, oh, this is all awesome points. Yeah, some things that uh, we've been offering as well, but this kind of like depends on. Uh, um, like here in Sweden, it can be difficult, uh, uh, and sometimes time consuming, speci- specifically like because we have an international office um, to receive mental health care quickly uh, or, or effectively. So uh, we've also been working with some. Um, uh, or just basically outside of or next to the health system with um, uh, mental health practitioners uh, to get people access quicker than they would uh, otherwise get uh, since we have the resources available to do that um, when these types of things come up. Cool. Uh, which, uh, yeah, um, but uh, none of that would be possible if people wouldn't be speaking uh, about actually the issues that they're having. So, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, this this actually ties very closely to a question that I have, so uh, I'll just jump in and, and throw it out there a little bit. Because uh, when Eric said 
if that trust has been bridged and people cannot express themselves, it, it's really concerning. So the question that I would put out is like, what are the most you know effective practices you know in the company environment to guarantee this safe and open environment you know for our collaborators to to be able to talk and uh, and not feel pressured by by, by other folks or, or, or anything like that. So the uh, floor is yours, guys, if you have any, any thoughts on that. I think like uh, the, like if there's one thing that has uh, worked the best for us, it's uh, effective retrospectives uh, where people get involved, but also uh, retrospectives where you don't necessarily have like production or management or leads there too. Um, like generally like good practices that um, set in stone beforehand for how they should go overall and what people can talk about, but uh, really have uh, create an environment where people can kind of bring everything up together, uh, summarize their thoughts, and then bring that together uh, into the team. Which is uh, yeah, for for, for uh, me, it often starts just also with the people on the team being able to express like their issues with each other and bring that forward up to management and leads like as a kind of united. This is this is what we're thinking about. Uh, and then, of course, the response after that as well to kind of acknowledge all of these points, um, because I think safe uh, trading and safe and open environment is definitely on the management and the leads like to facilitate uh, at a studio. So then, uh, giving a summary of these really important points. This is what we're planning to do to address these and follow up later. Uh, with how that works and getting feedback again if like these things come up and retrospectives have for us been kind of uh, even if we haven't done them like super regularly we don't do like sprint. retrospectives every sprint uh, uh, that has been kind of the most effective tool for people to be heard and like speak out uh, and if they notice that those things are being taken into account and worked on afterwards that really builds kind of that trust for the for that safe and open environment for us cool so you have like a post-mortem at the end of the project but you also have retrospectives at the end of like individual sprints or different stages of the project yeah for us often after releases like we uh, we have a live early access game running so we put updates out too so kind of uh, best point in time usually is after like the hectic period of having released it has died down and people can digest everything that has happened basically uh, that they want to see addressed, like the kind of lead up to the next phase. It's often for us a good point in development to kind of uh, address people's concerns, uh, to just processes in general, uh, more to everybody's liking. Cool. I heard that some uh, some studios hire someone in external to run their like postmortems and retrospectives, which I guess is good because then it kind of removes any bias from it and uh, and and if they're experienced in doing that and they do that all the time then you know they probably know a lot of best practices and a lot of ways to get people to speak up and be extra open and, and honest so i mean i completely agree with you mark and and got that retrospective would help because the team between her you know but then it's even important for the management to understand that it's not only just during the retrospective because it's a process, like you take the feedback and there are action items you derive out of it, then only the thing things that were being heard. Because if you do a retrospective and they speak their mind, but there is nothing done about it, they will never do to it, you know, the next time. 
But all these important decisions and responsibilities with your team that okay, we've heard you, we've collected. These are the most important feedbacks. We've collected from everyone, and this is what we think we should do. What do you think about it? You know, you have any questions, comments, because breaking games or creating a good work environment is all about team. That was at the end of the day. And I also feel that, you know, when someone can join the venue, join our company because in a leadership position you work with people you cannot micromanage them when you start micromanaging people it's sure that you don't trust them even if they are new i think you should let people you don't give them space let them try things have a conversation about them about the work and what the safe thing that we could do do they have any idea even when you like again i'm talking more in the production level when and this is but from my perspective, when I work on planning or I work on any <clears throat> new features, I always ask the team that, okay, time, this is the planning. What do you think? Does it make sense? Do we want to do this? Is this the timeline for the features? We do it or what are your ideas? And even creativity can come from anyone, right? So, that's, I mean, I don't respect anybody. If if a tester wants, he can give a creative idea. If, you know, a quarter one, he can give a creative idea, but it's having a very open black organization where, pe- where any ideas are welcome, people, their viewpoints are heard, they're respected. So when you, I think when, when we do things like this, when you show people that giving them respect at the same level, we don't have a hierarchical way of working their page, you pick around, getting sorry, I am a proud viewer, and that's not the feeling we should give our team. You'll be like, okay, you're coding what you do, and like, you're to make a game together at the end of the day. So, we have teammates giving them that kind of trust, then, um, you know, and that, then only the phone is created, and they will trust you, and they will tell you anything. And you want them to tell you that, yes, I made a mistake. This is wrong because, you know, something got screwed in the build, or team because I did it. So, now how do we resolve it? That's the kind of relationship. We should always aspire to make with Athens. Yeah, that is great. Um, super important effort to make. And I think also like when people come jump forward with like mistakes uh, and the likes, uh, really make sure to, the, that they don't don't feel like I, I just punished in any way or or like made made less for it. Uh, we have a lot where we yeah we have the. Uh, principle that everybody make everybody creates bugs like we don't uh, it's always just about how do we solve this together or they solve it afterwards um, uh, I think uh, what you just mentioned like of course bringing people in from the get-go like specifically new people uh, is a super good practice and then also when people come forward with yeah, issues uh, and mistakes to just uh, grow from that together uh, and kind of yeah, I, I always try to be in a sense. I mean, it's difficult issues, but be happy that they bring it up because that then you have something new to work with. We find solutions and be so very solution oriented from that point on, and not dwell on mistakes in any negative way as well. It's cool. Like if if I could take some some two small pieces uh, from from the conversation, uh, I think all of you mentioned. You know, it has to come from leadership. I think that's a, a very, very, very good point. Uh, leadership needs to make people comfortable, uh, respect ideas, respect opinions about, you know, let's, 
let the, let people speak up. I think those are, are good things. And I think above all is building trust, right? Uh, if you don't, if you don't have that foundation and you know, building trust among, uh, your teams and collaborators, you're, you're never going to have that, you know, the, the floor for people to speak up. So, uh, yeah, thank you. I, I like all the, the points and, uh, they're very valid. I know Wendell they mentioned one point there, you know, you said leadership that comes from leadership. I come to here to I have been in a I have been in a work environment role. I have seen projects being bigger and being big because the leadership is not you don't they are not united. They have their own egos or politics or something or the other happening. And when that happens, your team when always you don't have that fear or then we have a negative work culture that you, you know that spreads all across the company. It was we lead by example. The people follow the leader at the end of the day. And if they see that one if they see the leadership itself being so broken and not having trust, you know, having egos and not being able to work together, the team will not. So this is something I've personally experienced. And also like right now I experience really good leadership where everyone is very united and Work culture is amazing because and people are that man and that's what we want to push in, you know, everyone. What do you guys think? Yeah, I I personally think that's a good point. Like leadership needs to be united, right? Uh and cannot be any that there are gonna, always gonna be different points of view and different ideas, but that's how we evolve. But you need to be in the end of the day respectful and you know towards drive towards a goal drive towards the mission and and those kind of things and if leadership's not aligned and they're not doing that together it, it breaks down to individual contributors like quite easily so it makes total sense yeah and i think what you said earlier of trust um yeah is really important as well and and it's like yeah so many things break down if people don't have trust and yeah they're not likely to come to you with issues and things are likely to to build up and um yeah and they're not going to have faith that anything they they raise will be be resolved and um yeah so i think that's that's definitely a huge part of it so maybe i can go next with my question uh i had a question what they are thoughts on like how would you uh handle a situation where someone in your team was spreading negative and you got to know about it what your approach i think it's definitely a very difficult situation to to have but something that that kind of comes up quite a lot like whether from students working on university projects to people on big AAA projects it's kind of always something that you're you're probably gonna bump up against it at, at some point or another um so i guess um kind of a good like main way of approaching it is probably to just speak to the person directly and and, and kind of give them some feedback and, and try and communicate what the the issues are and why um like um sort of what the impact of their uh negative behavior is having on on the team and the the project and just sort of yeah try and try and make clear the the issue um and then I guess the key part is like, are they willing to change? Because sometimes, you know, they they might have their reasons or there might be some kind of um, ideological uh, disagreement. Uh, but 
So I think, yeah, bringing it up in the, in the first place and then um, trying to kind of agree on a course of action for um, for, for changing and, and, and preventing future issues. Um, I think that's something to kind of, yeah, you know, to, to keep touching base on and, and revisiting it and see if you can change things. And um, uh, yeah, I guess again, so, yeah, having, having more re- reviews, making sure things are clearly communicated. Although um, ultimately, I think if, if someone kind of, um, if they're causing real issues in the team and they're not willing to change and it goes on for a long period of time, then at some point, um, like you have to kind of make the call that it might be better for the team and better for them if they were to, uh, to leave and, um, go somewhere else. I've heard lots of stories of people when, yeah, they, they've had this situation, they had the discussion and they were sort of open and honest about it. And then the person actually felt, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not happy here. And then they went somewhere else and they, they did thrive in like a, a different culture and, um, and, uh, so yeah, it's always a difficult thing. You don't want to, to let people go, but sometimes it, yeah, it can just have such a negative effect on the entire team. If, um, if you've got like, yeah, one, one person kind of causing this, this negativity and, but yeah, it can definitely be tricky to, to track down because, you know, it's not normally black and white and there's lots of different people involved and there'll be lots of different perspectives. So to kind of get to the bottom of exactly what's happening can can be challenging but i guess yeah you just have to try and speak to different team members and and figure out the best course of action yeah i think uh uh second uh, all of that um something that uh, also also usually is uh, pretty interesting to me in a situation like that is um where the negativity comes from like in the, the initial conversation and talking to somebody, because of course you have to address like the damage that, that it uh, is doing like, to the team uh, at that moment as well. Um, but uh, sometimes uh, negativity comes from like a feeling of not being heard on particular issues um, in, a, uh, in a meaningful way and people feeling misunderstood and things. And so getting their like, perspective on where did this like arise? Is there anything that anything that we also can tweak uh, um, to kind of resolve this? Um, yeah, so, sometimes it's just being heard on certain issues, and then like having a conversation, understanding like okay, we can't change anything about these things right now, but maybe later, where people just feel like okay, now now it's like truly uh, truly off my chest that allows them to kind of like adapt their behavior again. Um, but yeah, at times it's uh, it's also changes that like we can make in the team right away in a sense uh, where um, yeah that, that'll disperse that negativity for the person and feel like yeah okay I like now I really feel like this has been addressed. Uh, so yeah, but basically the main point there is like the of negativity can come from like a, uh, a real point of friction that can be addressed for that person too. Uh, yeah, I was always gonna go exactly the same path as Berg. Like, understand where they're coming from. Understand what's the root cause of the negativity, because uh, it can be plenty, right? It could be uh, from that person herself, not feeling good about her personal life that is the dragging into the company and their professional life. It could be something around the team or how the structure is. What's the vision of the company? So. 
there are many ways to remediate, but first of all, you do need to understand where it's coming from. And the, 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 the key point here is uh, on that conversation that you're going to have with that person, you have to be completely open. And it's that situation where you basically just listen. Uh, you don't want, I, I wouldn't personally, right? I wouldn't address anything on that kind of initial conversation. Like I would try to really, really just listen the most that this piece of person can, can speak and try to understand all of their points and, you know, either alone or together with other folks, try to figure out what is exactly the issue for the negativity. And, and then it could come down to perhaps as a, you know, like, uh, Mark said, it's a cultural clash. Like we think those are different. The company and the teams think one way, this person thinks another way. Uh, but it could be as simple as. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm complaining about this issue in our process and nobody listens to me. And if we fix this, Hey, it's going to be amazing. Um, cause I've, I've seen this before, um, where this person was very negative, very negative, like towards basically everyone, usually out of, outside of working hours. So like after work, we're, you know, we're having a, a beer or something and there's always some negative comments about, uh, what's happening, uh, with their team, um. And it came down to his, this, you know, it came down that this person was just completely unhappy with the work that they were doing. Uh, they said they wanted to, you know, this person was basically overqualified for the work. And there's also, hey, I'm going to do impact somewhere else. Things that it can happen. Uh, but the thing is, if you identify address, I think that negativity is going to stop spreading. Like, quickly just got to do a, an, an action plan based on where, you know, after identifying where you come from. Yeah, I agree. I mean, on your point of receiving the headache, you will agree that it's very important to find the cause first and then once you know the cause why this person angry or dreading or all receiving and morning, then we can definitely have a talk, listen, be a good listener understand things from their perspective because at times when you put yourself in the shoes, you're in a better position to really understand that what is the cause and then you can help them without any bias so yeah good point awesome uh so the um question that i wanted to ask everyone um uh is that do you have any tips on the best ways for hiring more diversely because there's been a lot of studies uh showing that uh you know more more diverse teams can um, perform better and um i think even you know make um kind of uh more uh, appealing or better games and um so yeah i was just wondering does anyone like uh, have any any guidance, any any strategies they found that that work well? Maybe I have not choice, but I would say that in a company when you're growing a team, important to be open about you know finding people from different parts of the world. My personal experience when I was looking for jobs outside India, most of the companies they want open to hiring outside the European Union because. It's a big cost when it comes to getting the visa done, flying your family, flying you, putting you up, you, you know, in a hotel for a few weeks, then you find an accommodation, and all that is an added 
like overhead for the company and it must be easier to find someone within the union especially for companies that are in Europe but I think having an open mind and being okay with investing that kind of money as well like okay if I find someone from let's say a country outside Europe and someone who's talented who comes from a different set of experiences and background and they bring a different perspective that definitely will help you know find largest pool of candidates then you might just find someone who can bring in something very unique which probably a company needed so it's important to open and also you know try to find people irrespective of their weight or caste their culture because right now even for me I work in a company that's very diverse we have people from all over the world and it really makes a big difference because you have people who come from different cultures and different mindsets so when you work together you learn from each other and you grow together so that's how probably I would approach it cool. sounds great it works yeah and I guess uh with we learned a lot with the pandemic as well, right? Like with the, this whole remote work thing, uh, it makes things way easier as well. Because we did, I would say that perhaps we didn't know we could basically put thousands of people in the same company, everybody working from home. This was just like something all of this world in the beginning. And now everybody's adapted to it. So I guess that being open to that remote position, those remote positions uh, is also a way that you can, you know, uh, diversify more. So other countries, uh, you know, other regions, other expertise. Uh, and one thing that I, that I found really interesting was that as, uh, throughout my life, I've, I've come through several, several different organizations, like with different, uh, demographics, like women who code or, you know, uh, those, those kind of like demographics with like a lot of talent in it uh, from people who are associated to those organizations and they're seeking work and sometimes they don't have opportunities for some whatever reason so if you would like to really really be diverse you could go all the way to all those demographics uh organizations that you know they are amazing we, we have i've been working with some of them and i have worked with some of them in the past and, and they're such so 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 huge raw talent there uh and one thing that i saw even before starting working in film, why I was studying only is that a lot of folks who were getting jobs and stuff, they were, a lot of them were hired based on their competence and their competence only. Uh, uh, I want to say myself, when I first started working, not, not for Epic, but for other company, uh, I didn't have any gaming background. I didn't have any anything I would do, but I had the knowledge and I had the will, I have the, the, the power, that culture. So if a person that has that kind of, uh, cultural, uh, you know, check for your company and they're competent, you don't have to worry about anything else. You're going to build a diverse company for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think this was like the, <laughs> the there's the, yeah, uh, touched on it. I told you, but there's uh, for one, lots of, uh, like uh, resources out there, uh, like groups and companies that like work more with this as well, that like, uh, can help companies look also at their hiring process in general um, and presentation as well to kind of help find things that uh, like they might not notice otherwise that can be quite helpful, particularly if 
in a situation where the um, uh, the team isn't very diverse yet either because you, like, you just at a disadvantage there you don't have as many like perspectives already uh, to go with so seeking out people that do have that perspective um, checking for their feedback kind of uh, seeking help with that I think it is a great step as well um, something that the um, I heard about that kind of stuck with me too is uh, and this kind of flows into uh, I told you uh, other point there uh, with uh, qualification um, if uh, the requirements are for people to already have specific qualifications or level, like a high level of seniority, um, the pool is already less diverse to begin with. Like the, the people that will be applying to those positions uh, are much less likely um, uh, to be diverse. So like it's also very important to find ways of like how how much expertise do you actually need? For the positions that you uh, that you're looking to hire from, uh, how much can you teach as well and bring people into basically uh, that expertise uh, in your studio? Because uh, through that, the, just the pool uh, of people will already be bigger uh, that are applying. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's something that uh, I, I think can can be can be easily overlooked. And that will. To your point, for editing, that's your point, because that was the thing that companies should also be open to hiring, you know, interns who don't have a lot of experience, because when you have a larger pool of people to choose from, but it also comes at a cost of paying and, you know, lack of experience and figuring out how to care and raise them with the project and the expectation. But I have personally seen what I've worked with you intern who got a chance to work with big companies and they really, really dying, you know, from that. You never know if having an open mind at the end of the day is run and giving someone a chance that, okay, this person could probably do the new web. They actually end up doing, you never know. Yeah, that's a, that's a brilliant point. Uh, I know a couple of studios at least, like um, Free Lives and uh, Delala, who've brought in people from outside the games industry at like senior and management level and uh, and it's worked really well for them and uh, yeah they've been kind of thriving and uh, they yeah didn't even realize what skills they were missing out on until uh, they um, brought these like um, uh, yeah really experienced in other industry um female leaders into the the company and yeah they they just did a brilliant job at sort of um, getting everything uh on on track and um uh i guess an, another thing is like um the the kind of long-term approach because there's lots of short-term things of um sort of where you can find different people and um but then yeah one of the things we've tried to do is yeah kind of speak to different groups and, and people sort of further down the career uh, ladder and more grassroots you know we've gone and spoken to schools and try try to kind of raise awareness because i think sometimes people people don't think that the games industry is for them especially if they're um uh you know they're growing up in an area that isn't so well off and it's, it's not really something that people um from their attempt to do so it's very good to be able to speak to them and say 
that like yeah is is a possible um uh career for them and um yeah i think a couple of you guys touched on flexibility which um yeah does make a huge difference and i think yeah that is one of the the benefits of all the the lockdowns and stuff that we've we've done yeah we've gone remote we've had much more flexible working and it's kind of made people realize like it it can be done and um whereas before there i think there was yeah a lot more pushback and uh, uh, people didn't they wanted everyone in the office and like you know nine to five or sort of fixed fixed hours so um, yeah it's really great that it's kind of opened the floodgates for for that um one of the things someone recommended to us uh, previously was running our job ads through a gender um like language decoder so it can tell you if it's sort of um worded in a way like biased towards men so um that's that that's quite handy um and something someone told me the other day was about doing blind cvs so they're saying in their company they yeah, remove all the kind of identifying details um or someone someone in the company does that and then it's passed on to the decision makers who then pick from the cbs um uh then to just yeah make sure it's fair although i did wonder with that if if the people at the top are all very motivated to have a more diverse company then um there's like um yeah i, I wondered if it might help if they if they can see but i guess sometimes it's just the yeah it's the the you might have um unconscious bias might you so you might think oh well this person isn't isn't quite so qualified but then if you know um yeah you might be colored by a, a culture cultural bias so if it is blind then i guess you just yeah you don't you don't run the risk of that uh, uh that's a that's a cool one i i didn't i, I never heard about that uh the identification of the person I really like it this, this idea because then you basically focus on what they can deliver to you as a professional uh, so that that's quite interesting uh, yeah apparently it worked very well with orchestras I think um, lots of uh, you know men were, were getting hired for the, the roles and, and, and people hiring thought like well you know they're just they're just better musicians we're just picking who are the best musicians and then they did blind and uh, castings and uh, and much more women were then getting hired so it was like they they yeah they thought they were being being fair but it, it yeah it turned out that they they were judging on um more than just musical ability um a couple of other things have just like yeah it if you've got hiring information on your website like if you you know pictures of different types of people and stuff can can help um, encourage more people to apply um and uh yeah i think um uh Hector, you, you mentioned about different different groups and um yeah I, I think that's a great point too there's voice at the table who are really good in terms of uh, kind of diversity and have a, have a great mailing list um and there's groups like uh, Bayman games and um putting the g into gaming and pixels that are kind of yeah for different groups so i'm sure there's tons of more uh ton, tons more ones that i'm not uh being able to think of off the, the top of my head now but yeah some really great work being done and um i guess sometimes yeah speaking to to groups like that can can help too yeah because they, they can besides only talent they can also help with strategies right because they, they know their themselves like they know their own groups 
So uh, they, they can give tips um, uh, on how to make the position more attractive or how to make the hiring process uh, interviews and stuff that uh, doesn't make people feel excluded either. So mm-hmm. I think those, those they're great, uh, you know, sources uh, of knowledge on that, on that front. Yeah. Amazing. Some some really great questions and, and takeaways there. Um, I mean, for any listener at home that's listening, I'm sure they've learned a lot from the valuable insights that were given there. Um, I mean, I can only speak from a more freelance uh, recruiter side. Um, so, I mean, I've got a question for any aspiring freelancer or current freelancer for you guys. So, um, in terms of, you know, how you would improve your relationship with a freelancer and make them feel part of a team, just bringing it more to the healthy culture. How would you do that? Um, how would you go about that? Is there any tips which you've got for those budding freelancers out there or current freelancers now who, are, who aren't feeling part of a team? Uh, for us, it's kind of tricky because like pretty much the whole team is uh, freelancers. So I guess that's uh, it's kind of a level uh, playing field there. But um, uh yeah, I, I experienced it from the other side when I worked at bigger studios and, and I was a like freelance contractor, often uh, not by choice, but it was just, you know, that was how they were hiring for those roles. And then, um, uh, yeah, it could be frustrating when you get treated differently, but, you know, it was done because of the, the rules like IR35 and stuff are thinked, which is kind of in place over here to try and make sure freelance, well, the people weren't kind of dodging employing people, but then it meant that, yeah, you, you had some weirdness, like, um, you got invited to the Christmas party in a different way, or sometimes not at all, or you weren't allowed perks like the free games and, um, you know, hoodies and other stuff. Um, so I guess you're yeah, just including people in, in that stuff as much as you're, uh, legally able to, to do so and trying to just, um, uh, yeah, kind of treat people the same, really. But yeah, it's definitely a tricky, tricky area where there's the kind of uh, legal ramifications of some of that stuff sometimes, or certainly for for UK companies. I'm not sure what it's like elsewhere. Yeah, I guess that the integration part, I think that's that's quite important, right? Like make them uh, freelancers kind of feel part of the team. Uh, you know, if you have daily stand-ups, um, just invite them over. Uh, the, the, I think the one one very complicated thing in that situation is when we talk about like uh, secrecy or uh, stuff that hey we want to keep this all in house and nobody else can know. That hurts a bit, uh, but I guess it is also understandable to some extent when you have something on lockdown uh, and you don't want to share externally. Even though you have an NDA sign, sometimes things just stay in, but. Share as much as you can. Share as much as possible. Make them feel part of the team. Uh, make them join like the daily routine, weekly routine, whatever uh, that the studio may have and the team may have. So they feel included. Uh, and you know, <laughs> the the Christmas party was that was a great example. Like <laughs> I've seen this happen before, and uh, people are like, hey, uh, and then you know somebody will ask, hey, are you going to the party next week? It's like. What part? Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> that's a complicated one. Um, but yeah, I guess integrate as much as you can based on, on loss and, and, and kind of secrecy. So whatever it can be shared, whatever, whatever they can be part of, try to make them, uh, you know, feel part of the team. 
Awesome. Burke and, and Janesha, would you say the, the sort of similar advice for someone that's not feeling part of a team um, because they're a different way of working as a, as a freelancer? Yeah, I mean, the market going had good points. I also think this thing, you should make them, you know, they involve them in your papers, for example, involve them in your planning, in your, like, handles, when you're taking discussions. It's not only, you know, giving them some work to do and, and then you just follow up on how it's going. But it also inviting them when the team goes out or that there are big company parties happening. Just making the person feel like they matter, listen to them as well, listen to their ideas, to what they have to say. Don't just treat them like, you know, a robot where you're given this X thing to do and you do it and that's all that we care about you. If they join your company as a freelancer, send them some company here, some game. Appreciate them. You know, appreciation goes a long way. Like if this person does really well, you write an appreciation in your company chats or on the calls and be like, hey, he did this, or she did this really well. And you know, give them that importance where they feel included. A lot of times in things, we really encourage uh, knowledge sharing session. So it's like, that's what we do in our means. It's probably a good habit for the team to come together once a week and discuss what they're working on, share knowledge, give each other facts so we can make, you know, we can make the game better and have that person taking more than as well, the freelancers as well. And that's how they feel part of the team. And if they feel part of the team, then, you know, then they will really do their job better. And again, they will build that trust with you. If they have a problem, they will come and tell you. They should look at you as someone who's there to help them. And yeah, that even this is their game. At the end of the day, it is their game as well. Yeah, I think you've all said it uh, beautifully already. I don't really have like points to add to that. Um, really, in short, like, they're part of the team. Uh, yeah, and uh, should be treated as such to whatever extent as possible. Uh, no, amazing, and, and most of all, obviously, invite them to the Christmas parties. But <laughs> 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 no, amazing stuff. Um, but no, okay. So obviously, before we we end the podcast today. I just want to say thanks uh, so much to all of our guests for sharing the thoughts and their insights today uh, in the conversation. Um, once again, our guests today have been Janisha, Mark, Burke and Ektore. And if you are hiring for new technical roles or looking for a new role, feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution. Or if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, you can drop me a message too. I'm Aaron, and you can find me on LinkedIn at C. And thanks again for all our guests, and thank you for listening. We hope you can join us next time.